0: Hey, we've been reading it in the course of this series. It says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. And I just wanna welcome you as you are a part of a series that is really establishing new muscle memory of our faith to make sure our steps are truly those that God would want us to take so that our relationship with him can grow deeper, more rooted and secure than ever ever before in our life. I believe it's going to change individuals' lives and the church's life if we have an established faith. We've looked at at being before you do, following the crucified Jesus, discovering the treasures buried in grief and loss, really looking at how limits help us trust God more, love for others. And today, the impact of our family history. This is an interesting look today. We we are going to connect the dots between our present life that we are living and the past impact on it. Uh, We'll see some significant impact on how the church plays a role in helping people move into their future and does the tough work so that we can become an amazing family of believers living life to the full. Big idea today, God wants you to be free from the power of your past. What is that? What what is that? Scripture teaches that there are consequences of actions and decisions taken in in one generation that affect the generations that follow. What am I talking about? Let's read Exodus 20, verse 5. It says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Okay, the last part of that's all nice and cushy and hunky-dory, but the first part, what? This scripture bothered me. Uh, It's a passage like this that just, there was something about the fact that I would be impacted by sin that happened generations before I landed on the scene that makes me realize just, how big life is and how small my moment in life is. And you know, and I know other people are bothered by the jealousy of God, but what he's really trying to show us is his sovereignty and his love and his faithfulness. And that there are ways for us to step into newness. It's identifying the issue so that we can solve it. Right? If you've spent much time in scripture uh, you will recognize that there's a lot of emphasis on lineage and generations and stories of fathers and sons and grandsons and great-grandsons in Scripture that build, and you're going, well, why so much value in this? So I think we're going to discover a little of that today. Take Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, and even Jacob's kids. You look at this This moment in both blessing and sin are passed down. I won't read all the stories. You'll have to go to the beginning of your Bible and check them out. But let me give you some breakdowns here. How about lying? Abraham would lie about his wife's age. His son Isaac uh, enters into a marriage with Rebekah and there's deceit and lying that happens there. Jacob lied to everybody. His name was actually actually meant deceiver, right? How about we see that there's favoritism involved in those early stories? Abraham favored Ishmael, Isaac favored Esau and Jacob favored Joseph and even later Benjamin when he thought Joseph was dead. So you just look at these issues. What about the brothers? Brothers cut off from one another. So now it's not just like parents to kids. It's like there's issues with the brothers. Isaac is is separated from Ishmael. How about there's issues between Jacob fleeing his brother Esau because he stole his inheritance. Anyway, Joseph was cut off from his 10 brothers because they tried to kill him and sell him into slavery for more than a decade. I mean, you look at these stories and you go, okay, God wants us to know this for a reason. He wants us to be aware so that we can understand the realities of some of the things happening in our life could be like ripples from stones that were thrown into the water generations previous. Man, let me show you a picture of a couple happy boys here. I got to tell you, I heard this story on the radio this week and knew about this talk coming up. And I was like, this is a perfect illustration. These are uh, a nine and seven-year-old Mason and Blake, and they rescued a three-year-old toddler from drowning in Deer Lake on Whidbey Island. Uh, A mom turned her back on her three-year-old toddler for a moment, and he sprinted for a community dock and fell into the water face first nine-year-old Mason jumps into action. He said this, I said to myself, I gotta go save him. I picked him up and was swimming with my legs because I couldn't touch the bottom. As he's telling the story of getting back to the dock, where his, his cousin Blake pulls him up out of the water, pulls the toddler up out of the water, and they were all safe, terrified, crying, <laughs> nervous, but they saved a life. Well, here's where the story gets interesting. Because saving others in need may be a familial trait. 20 years ago, the South would-be <laughs> paper recorded uh, a, a report of Mason's grandfather Doug Slatom heard the cries of a man who was stuck in the mud and had water up to his chest and it was rising. He rescued the man from sure drowning. Guess who Mason called to share his little win with first? His grandpa. I mean, come on. Not only is bad things passed down, but heroics? This is incredible, and I look at that and just go, interesting how the patterns roll. Your family of origin, no matter how close or how distant, has left a mark on your life. Probably the biggest influence of any other influence there is for most people, for better or for worse. And uh, so what do we do now with that knowledge? Well, thought one, we acknowledge the impact of our past. We just gotta, we gotta identify and acknowledge it, not ignore it. It's important for you and me to understand that we don't have to be living a life worthy of being passed down to leave a legacy. We are going to leave a legacy no matter what, good or bad we're leaving a legacy. So why not be intentional with the legacy that we are passing on to those around us? The biblical perspective of family and really uh, a generation as it is in the scriptures here is a little different than our perspective. It's not just you or those who live in your home. We're talking about your uh, beyond your children and your brothers and sisters and their parents. And I mean, we're talking generations. In fact, what what generation doesn't even represent like your letter, oh, Gen Z, Gen X, Gen whatever. No, this is more like everybody living within a time period. So if we were really taking literal the scripture here and applying it to today, three to four generations would take most of us back to the 1800s like that our life is being impacted by things that happened then. And some of you get that. Some of you are fighting for righting wrongs that happened in those seasons already. Well, I think of the impact you can have by loving God and obeying his commands that would go on from generation to generation following you. That's why I love when somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus. They're a first-generation believer. And just imagining the transformation that's going to happen in their lineage is pretty incredible. Yeah, and I pray for amazing things to happen in and through you. But first, we just have to acknowledge what's there. First Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10.1 says, I, I don't want you to forget, your brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and all of them walked through the sea and dry ground in the cloud and in the sea. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. So we can look back and see warnings, right? These things are written so we could break patterns to see if we could take the time to look into our past and believe God. I believe God is wanting us to do the hard work of discipleship, of becoming more like Jesus. We cannot just move the ball a couple more yards in in our lifetime and think, man, I've done good. We need to grab a hold of our life, look at our past and make a massive move ahead, breaking transformational patterns, we just need to move with a generational impact a blessing beyond us. Again, that legacy, uh, a legacy is, is not all bad. <laughs> it can be good at times, like those little boys who rescued uh, that toddler from drowning. That is pretty incredible. And one of the things that I've found myself into recently, I say recently, like quarantine and beyond, maybe a little before then uh, is storytelling and specifically the i love storytelling like fixer upper where they're telling the story of a house uh, some of these 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 shows where they're they're remodeling and uh it gets me every time the the shows that get me every time though are the cooking shows now i know what you're thinking because i thought the same thing when i was a kid my dad used to watch golf that's like Dad, this is boring and you're weird, right? Uh, And now I'm sitting there watching foodie shows and my kids walk in and they're like, Dad, you're weird. (laughs) So that's my weird, right? I'm watching these food shows and this is why I don't think I'm quite out of my mind. What I like about it is how they honor their past or really they're giving honor and understanding of their past through food, which is a passion of mine, at least eating it. Anyway, uh, making sure that the recipe is passed down exact or they're using the same ingredients to keep true to the generations without error of the beauty of uh, making a bread or a dessert or a specific form of a meal in the way that they barbecue it uh, over wood instead of coal, and just all these different practices that they find and now has been known as like a foodie culture, I guess you would say. Uh, They had to reach a point in their life, normally in the storylines, where they come back home and they start to research their lineage and discover the impact the table moments had on them and how they want to pass that on and this is the same thing, but but spiritually, it not, it not only works with cooking, it works with discipleship, that we can look back and realize what the generations have given us, and how can I pass on the right ingredients of what we've been given to those who will follow. So thought two, recognize you're a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life begun. The new life has begun. Your family of origin does not determine your future, God does. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life is made new. The curses of your past and the sins of your past have been broken. They still have effect on us and we still need to overcome them. But the penalty of death and hell and the grave have been won by Jesus and your faith in him promises you eternal life in heaven and that the Holy Spirit is guiding you through the navigation of all this dealing with the generations that have gone before you, your family of origin. Romans 8 says it this way in verse 14, all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father or Daddy is what that translates as. Verse 16, the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact... Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. So it's interesting that in the New Testament, we can see there's an assumption that the growing in maturity as a disciple happens within the context of a healthy local church. That, that God's intention is that the local church is the community where slowly but surely we are reparented, I guess you could say, into doing life the Jesus way. I mean, this can happen in, in rows and it happens around tables. This is in large groups, small groups, one-on-ones, and it all takes the hard work of discipleship to become more like Jesus. In the book On Being Family by Anderson and Guernsey, they write, the church is the new family of God. Through spiritual rebirth, we each become a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ through adoption into the family of God. Consequently, we are brother and sister to each other. Husband and wives are first of all brother and sister in Jesus. It's kind of weird. Anyway, reading on before their husband and wife, sons and daughters are also brother or sister to their father and mother before they are sons and daughters. Do you hear where this family concept is coming, right? Psalm 68, six, the first part of that passage says God places the lonely in families. Can I just say one of the things that I am so excited about? Open life is in a unique place to become a family to so many people in our community who need the legacy of their world reshaped, I guess you could say. Their future needs to be redirected because they need the inheritance of the family of God. We need to become brothers and sisters to So many in this community who have never had a personal relationship with God by choosing to follow Jesus. And I just look at this and and I believe God wants to create additional ways for us to, to bring people into the family. And that's why he is breaking wide open the opportunity for open life to purchase the Finn Hall so that we can create even additional ministry opportunities to do the hard work of, of discipleship and, and becoming a family with one another, growing in our relationship with one another, and really transformational hard growth in our relationship with Jesus. To, to The purchase of Finn Hall is going to create an open door for so many additional methods of, of reaching those who need family. And uh, when we got away as a staff at the beginning of this year and we prayed, uh, we're in the moment still where we're meeting on Saturdays and, and numbers are like a fraction of what they were a year earlier. And yet we still feel the same vision for reaching our community and baptizing hundreds of people. And we're like, we haven't let go of that promise the Lord spoke to us a year previous. And, and we're like, what's the most important thing for us to do right now? And we simply said, discipleship. We've got to do the hard work of discipleship so that we can really work out our future and our family and and some of the work like we're talking about right now, looking back in order to go forward. Our future is promising, but uh, we needed an opportunity of a miracle like Fen Hall. So I look at this and I just go, the Lord is positioning us in a place in the community of divine favor right now. To even give us the opportunity to purchase a building so low beyond the rest of the commercial cost in our community. Finn Hall is perfect for utilizing as a discipleship center, a space where we can grow roots to our faith deeper than ever before solidifying the, the the power of our new family and this fresh life that we have that allows us to move forward. The most important thing is we step into the new creation that God has given us a doorway to step into. Jesus and following Jesus becomes our legacy and influence. Uh, for us as a church we' are in the position, to put our faith into action through many ways financially right now and changing the course of history for so many families in our community as we take some some steps of faith that we haven't done that are going to stretch us in our history. I'm excited about it. I think it's worth the risk. I think it's going to impassion us for, for inviting people into our family and helping people discover who they are in Christ Together, I believe there's a bunch of beautiful stories we're going to be able to tell. Maybe we'll beat out those cooking shows someday in the near future. Thought three, we need to break the sinful patterns of your family. Now, this is a tough one. This takes courage. It takes a courageous journey back to propel us forward through this. I love what... uh, visual came to my mind here is a bow and arrow. I mean, if you just take a bow and arrow a little bit back and release, that arrow's not gonna go very far forward. But if you take that bow and you draw it back, that arrow's gonna be propelled quite a ways. We need to do the work of of looking back and figuring out, oh yeah, I do need to ask some questions about how I grew up so that I can figure this out. Uh, in our discipleship course right now that we're doing Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Peter Scissero says, Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. (laughs) That's just got this visual, right? Where it's like, oh, I am living in the shadow of those who have gone before me. What's that shadow impact? And how do I allow the blood of Jesus? How do I allow my faith to overcome some of these things? And I think in the coming week, it would be great for you to to uncover some questions, some answers to these questions. What about this one? What one or two pattern from your family of origin might have most impacted who you are today? What about this question? What might be one message from your family of origin that God has revealed to you today that you want to change as a part of your hard work of discipleship? That's a tough question. And I'm going to be praying with you this week as you start to look back. Because I think it's going to give you fresh insight as to how to release and propel into your future. We've got to release some patterns, right? And I I love the quote from Walter Brueggemann. He says, the evil plans of human folks do not defeat God's purpose. Instead, they unwittingly become ways in which God's plan is furthered. Don't be afraid of what you uncover as you look back. Get excited for what God is gonna reveal as he moves you forward from that discovery. Jeremiah 29, 11 gives us the promise, right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's what God has for your future. Our action point today is take hold of God's plan for your future. We need to grab a hold of it. How do we do that? Paul told us this in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Perfect. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you for the opportunity you give us to be challenged by something like generational realities and the impact that is on our life from the past and that our life is gonna have on the future and the work we have to do. To step into your plan for our future. And I thank you that you positioned us in a church, a family where we as brothers and sisters in you, God, can move forward in our relationship, to the hard work of discipleship together. And not only in a service environment like this online or as we gather in person, but Lord, you're opening up a door for us to even be able to do more connecting, more serving of one another, more sharing our lives together through this space at Fin Hall that you're allowing us to purchase. I pray God for all that has to happen in order for us to reach even more people who need to know their real family in you and that what you're gonna do in their future and unveiling a plan for their life God, may we be a part of so many amazing stories. I just give you praise that we could come together today. And I pray that you would propel us into this week with the courage to look back a little and discover how we can move forward from that point. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, and we can't wait to see you next week.